Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. For another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation, Bill Zimmerman with you. And, whew, ladies and gentlemen, this is not where any of us wanted to be ever this season. And we certainly, certainly didn't want to be here right here and right now when this offense is finally coming together and Justin Fields is growing and it is potentially stymied with an injury to his non-throwing shoulder and his status for the New York Jets game up in the air. Lester Wiltfong, the big boss man from Windy City Gridiron, he is our guest this week. He will be along in just a few minutes. But before we get to him, just want to have a a few comments and a few notes about uh, what we've uh, seen here in the last couple of days with the Chicago Bears. First of all, Uh, For those of you interested, and maybe there's three or four of you who are going to have a larger role with the Windy City Gridiron website. Uh, Thank you very much to Lester for that opportunity. Going to be doing a little bit more writing uh, and and a little more participation over there at Windy City Gridiron. Really looking forward to that. Looking forward to an expanded role. So not only can you hear me and my inane opinions, now you can read my inane opinions as well. So there is that for all of you. But... Uh, Speaking of inane opinions, my inane opinion on this Atlanta Falcons game is that this offense just didn't have the same feel to it. It just didn't have that same burst. And and to me, uh, yes, I think part of it was that Justin Fields may have been a little banged up during the game, you know, but before he had the injury, didn't feel like he was full go all the time. Obviously, he still made some great plays in the backfield, but the, the thing to me is, I, I looked at that offense and went, wow, do they miss Khalil Herbert. Man, do I think he was just a giant, giant absence for this Chicago Bears offense. The speed and the agility he has and what he can do to the outside, uh, you know, is, is just, it complements David Montgomery so well, you know, and again, David Montgomery can do a lot more better than Khalil Herbert in terms of the passing game and blocking and all the other aspects. But in terms of pure running in Luke Getze's system here in this Kyle Shanahan type offense, you need Khalil Herbert out there. And they, you know, they guess they wanted to try and see if they could do it with Ebner. Tristan Ebner isn't ready. I don't think he's ever going to be ready. And that's fine. It was a six round pick. Six round picks are lottery picks. And they already just hit one with Khalil Herbert. So the fact that, you know, Ebner probably isn't isn't a guy, that's okay. That's not a knock on Ryan Poles. That's fine. But they don't have 
that that guy. I know they brought Evans up from the practice squad with the Herbert injury. Maybe Evans is a guy that's worth giving a shot here. You know, I don't know how he looks in practice. Obviously, that's that's not for for my eyes. But you know, that's that's the kind of you know he's got speed, so maybe he can mimic some of what Herbert has done in this offense. I don't know, but that was sorely missing. So Justin Fields' injury aside, Khalil Herbert was missed by that Chicago Bears offense. And that offense is in a situation, there's no depth anywhere. They, they barely have enough, you know, legitimate NFL guys to, to have 11 out there that should be starting at the NFL level. They can't afford to have injuries. I mean, we've seen it along the offensive line. You lose Cody Whitehair, things get worse. Cody Whitehair comes back, maybe he's still banged up. He's not playing as well. Tevin Jenkins is out. Things get worse. You know, you, you, you just don't have enough depth to survive these type of injuries. And of course, you're going to get injuries. It's the NFL. The NFL, it is impossible to not have injuries. But the Chicago Bears certainly can't afford to have them. They are banged up right now. And, you know, amongst the receiving core, you know, Chase Claypool, where are you, buddy? I understand it's only been three games. I understand this isn't the easiest offense in the world to pick up. And maybe Luke Getze needs to do some things to help get Claypool more involved. But right now, Chase Claypool is just, he's not meshing in this offense. And it's not, you know, it's too early to push the panic button. If he does, if he plays like this the rest of the year, it's basically a no-show. It's still too early to push the panic button. You got to give him a full off season to get some chemistry with Justin Fields and get fully comfortable in this offense. But you'd like to see him you know, make some level of an impact on Sunday, and he just hasn't been. I mean, he's right now, he's no different than Nikhil Harry or ESB or Dante Pettis. He has no impact right now in the games. But the big thing for me right now, the big focus is, is Justin Fields and his health. And, you know, I know I had some fun on my Hot Take Tuesday column that obviously will start appearing on Tuesdays at Windy City Gridiron about how it's, you gotta have Justin Fields play because this team is unwatchable without him. But at the same time, you have to be objective and go, what is the best thing? Yes, Justin Fields playing is good for Justin Fields in terms of developing in the passing game and, and things that he needs to learn and grow. But Justin Fields is banged up. Justin Fields will not be protected by this porous offensive line. And at this point, I just don't see what the point is of sending him out there against the Jets. I, I think at a minimum, you got to sit him against the Jets. You got to sit him against the Packers. Give him the bye week and see if you want to put him out there against Philly and Buffalo. Those are tough games, and, and you feel like you're still kind of throwing him out to the Wolves. You know, you'd almost love to sit him around until the last two games of the season against Detroit and Minnesota. But at the same time, you just sit there and go, it wouldn't be the worst thing if he was shut down for the rest of the year. From, from a long-term perspective. I don't think, you know, there are certain people in the media that like to sit there and say that Justin Fields is still auditioning. That audition is over. He has the part. It's over. If they even flirt with the idea of getting rid of him, then you know that this entire regime needs to go because they don't know what they're looking at. Sure, does he need some more growth in the passing game? Absolutely. But the way Luke Getze has married his, his running skills with the passing game has worked out really well for the most part. You know, the offense didn't quite hum as much, but at the same time, they still scored 24 points. The Falcons don't have the best defense in the world. I get that, but they still scored 24 points. And for the Chicago Bears, you sign up for 24 points. I mean, they still, over the last, what, five games now, they are averaging just under 30 points a game. It's like 29.6 points a game. 
So you still have to like what you're getting overall from this Justin Fields, Luke Getze style offense, but you just can't justify putting him out there. You just can't. There is not an argument to be had to play Justin Fields against the New York Jets. Not one. And if you have one, tweet at me, at ZimmermanSXM, and tell me one reason, other than our happiness as Bears fans, watching him play football. One actual Chicago Bears football reason. Because the only one right now is wins. Because Justin Fields gives you a better chance to win. And while that should be a reason, when you're sitting there with the Chicago Bears record and you're sitting at currently the third pick overall, and you know there is a, basically a 0% chance that you can make the playoffs at this point, then there's no reason to try and play him and risk further injuring him. And maybe, you know, again, I'm not a doctor. Maybe someone will say he's not at risk at hurting his shoulder worse. So I don't think that's the case. So we, we're okay with him going out there and playing. But even if that's the case, he could favor it and hurt something else because he's favoring that shoulder or protecting that shoulder. So there, there are other aspects to playing with an injury. So to me, sit Justin Fields, give us Trevor Simeon, and, and let's just watch what the Chicago Bears were last year, which was a bad football team without a fun quarterback. Because that's basically where we're at. I just can't see any other reason to give him a shot out there. There's just not a reason to do it. So I hope that Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus and Ryan Bowles all sit down, have a nice long conversation and walk into the Bears locker room and tell Trevor Simeon he's starting against the Jets. That is the only logical explanation for me. On the defensive side of the ball, just kind of looking at things, you know, same old, same old. Holt front seven needs to be basically completely turned over. Jack Sanborn, Give him a shot next year. I know it's only been a few games. Give him a shot. The guy's a football player. He's got instincts. He's fun. The Bears fans love him. He's a local guy. You cannot replace everyone. You need a new weak side linebacker. I don't care if you get a Sam or not. There's no, We're not in base that much. You need a new weak side linebacker. You need three or four new guys up front. You need another outside corner. If you don't have enough money to go out there and find a new Mike, wonderful. Give Jack Sanborn a year and see what happens. That, that, that would be a fun story if a UDFA from the suburbs of Chicago becomes a, 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 even just a good, it doesn't have to be spectacular, just a good middle linebacker for the Chicago Bears. That is a fun story. In the secondary, like I said, I know they need an outside corner. Kyler Gordon did not look good against the Falcons. That's a, that's a pick where you have to wonder if they'd like that one back. You know, George Pickens was there. We t I tweeted it at the time. J just run the card in. George Pickens is the pick. They went and took Kyler Gordon. Uh, I think everyone would like to see what George Pickens could be with, with, with Justin Fields at this point. Gordon, he's got some instincts. He's got some ability. But he also has issues. We saw how bad he was biting on play action early in the year. Seems to have ironed that out a little bit. But he is slow. I mean, when you look at, like, the, the RAS scores, you know, about how how well a, a player is as an athlete at their position. He had a great RAS score. Uh, that that I remember. And, and if I remember, he, in terms of speed, he was okay. But they did not think he was slow based on his combine performances. But 
my God, he just sometimes, he just looks like he's running in sand. I, I don't know what's going on there. Maybe he just is a quicker, you know, practice guy than he is on the field. I, I don't know what's going on there, but he, he just, even when he had that interception a few weeks ago, it just looked like he was running in sand. It looked like the offensive linemen were going to catch him. I just, I, I just am very surprised with his lack of speed. Um, and, and that lack of speed, he's not going to be able to keep up with some of the elite receivers. You know, he's got to be able to keep up with them. It's even in the slot, there's plenty of elite receivers in the slot. He, he, he can't sit there. He's got to be able to close on guys. And it just doesn't look like he's going to be able to do that right now. So there, there's got to be some concern about how he's performed. But overall, you still got to like what you're seeing out of Eddie Jackson. Brisker right now is definitely improving. You know, we've talked about Brisker a lot on this podcast over the over the uh, course of the season. First couple games looked pretty good, but then at the same time, he kind of leveled off to me. I didn't see a lot of growth and improvement there for a while, and that was okay because it wasn't like the performances were bad. But now I think over the last few weeks, now we're seeing some growth, and he is, you know, he's he's all over the field. He's a versatile player. They can put him in multiple spots. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he's an impact type defender. You love to see what, what he's doing out there on the field. So when I sit there and look at the secondary and go, look, if they get another outside corner, you know, it's way too early to give up on Kyler Gordon. And maybe, you know, you sit him down after the season, you say, Kyler, you're our nickelback, period. That's all we want you to do. You're going to focus on being the nickel corner. You're going to work on that the entire offseason. You're going to be our starting nickel corner going into training camp, and we're going to see what you can do. That's what you need to do. And then you have someone like Kindle Vildor behind him who's serviceable and not the end of the world if Gordon struggles and you need to maybe, you know, put a different guy out there. But, you know, other than that, there's a lot of new faces that need to go on that defense. There's a lot of new faces that need to go on that offensive line that, again, a bad Atlanta Falcons defensive line. That is a bad defensive line. Grady Jarrett's pretty good, but you know they, they, they should not have been causing as much havoc as they did. But this Bears offensive line can't block anybody. Chase Claypool hasn't shown up yet, and Khalil Herbert has, has just crushed the, the entire running game of this offense. And now Justin Fields, who knows what's happening with him. So right now, other, unless you're a guy who just loves the tank and you're sitting there drooling over the third pick of the draft, right now there is not a lot of excitement because we just, even if Justin Fields plays, you're going to sit there as a Bears fan and go, should he really be doing this? So we're going to ask Lester, should Justin Fields play? We're going to ask Lester about the offensive line. I'll ask Lester about the defense. I'll get into everything with Lester Wildfong, the chief editor for Windy City Gridiron. And he joins us next. Bill Zimmerman, Bears Banter. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back into the podcast. I don't think this gentleman was on the podcast last year. We usually try and have him on once a year because it's good business to have him on once a year because he is the big boss man of Windy City Gridiron, the chief editor. He is Lester Wiltfong, and he joins us now. Lester, Bill Zimmerman, how you doing? What's up, Bill? How you doing? I'm doing really well. Really appreciate you you jumping on. We'll oh, we, anytime you're on, you know we're going to dive into the offensive line. And I think that yeah, yeah. after that Falcons game, there's plenty to get into. But let's uh, let's start with Justin Fields and, and kind of his health and and everything moving forward. And look, neither of us are doctors. We don't know exactly what's going on in the shoulder. The Bears are being coy as to what's going on in the shoulder. We just know there's certain things that it isn't. 
Uh, so there's yeah. a lot of speculation about what's going on. You know, I, I know I did, uh, as I'm starting to do some more writing with the website, Hot Take Tuesday had some fun with the idea there, but, but just when logic sets in, when you've got a Jets front with guys like Quinn and Williams out there, to me, for me, shut him down for several weeks and make sure he's healthy. But I don't see any reason to try and push him back out there against the New York Jets. How about you? I'm with you. That front is pretty, pretty vicious. You know, the Bears have had a couple of really bad fronts last two weeks and they still gave up a ton of sacks. So going against the Jets, I think it's the best just to shut them down. I think at this point, you know, you got to give them a little bit of more than just one week. I mean, whether it's a, a separation, dislocation, an AC joint sprain. I mean, there's, you know, I'm sure we'll find out more on Wednesday when, when the Bears talk, but if it's something, it's something we know for sure. So give them some rest, shut them down. The buy is coming up. Maybe he comes back after the buy. I mean, the Bears schedule is tough though, coming out here. There's a lot of really, you know, tough defenses coming up, but you'd like to see him play a little bit here to close out the stretch. You'd hate to see his season end like this. Uh, so selfishly, I want to see him play, but it may not be the worst thing if he's, if he's done for the year. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be. But, you know, we, we want to see some more development because, look, any of us that can look at this and be objective, should we? everyone should be absolutely ex- excited, ecstatic with what they're seeing out of Justin yeah. Fields the last month or so of the season. Not just with the eye-popping running plays, but there's absolutely growth in, in the passing game. But there's absolutely need for more growth in the passing game, and that's only going to come with reps you know, it, it, it's kind of weird. You sit there and go, you'd love to have them play the Packers, but then you're rushing them back before the bye. So let's rest the bye. And then the Eagles and, and Buffalo are sitting there after that. So that doesn't get any easy, easier. But the finish the year with Detroit and Minnesota, where I'm going to guess Minnesota is probably going to have the two seed pretty much locked yeah. up before that game and probably won't have much to play for. And that's going to be a, a preseason game for Minnesota as far as they're concerned. That, that's where I sit there and go, I, if he's healthy, there's no reason not to play him there. But, I mean, do you really want to shut him down for five weeks? I guess it just really depends on, on how healthy that arm is and that shoulder. Yeah, I'm with you totally. I think those last two games, the Lions, of course, we nice to see him play there. Uh, the Vikings, of course, we had a, a, another, you know, yeah, they're, they're having a really good record this year in the NFC, one of the better NFC teams. But I, I'm just not – a big believer in the talent they have. So if they are playing backups, that'd be a nice game for him to go out on with the game against those guys and, you know, build a little confidence for next season. Yeah, I, I absolutely. Now let, let me ask you this one about fields. I would do a two-parter. Let's focus on what we've seen the last month in the passing game. Like I said, the running game, you know, it's hard to crit- criticize anything in the running game. It's been so fantastic to see. With fields in the passing game and, you know, what any aspect of that, the sh- short game, mid-range, his deep ball, you know, reading defenses, cover a- anything you've seen. What's one thing that you've seen the most growth with that you're most pleased with? And what's one thing that you think still may be eluding him? You know, it seems like his ability to keep plays alive and keep his eyes downfield. You know, when, when he first started the whole thing with the scrambles, it seemed like he was taken off immediately. Um, the last few weeks, it seems like he's able to scramble more, um, but now he's looking to make a play with his arms, which is which shows growth from him. He's going through his progressions a little better. You know, he had that play against uh, the Falcons where he had the one uh, with uh, David Montgomery down, uh, down the sideline. That was the play he made. He kind of waited to ha- have happen. Uh, the play to Equinemius St. Brown, he kind of was back there, you know, scrambling around, waiting for something to happen, and he kind of had the guy come open there. So I think we've seen that growth from him. He's able to go 
through the progressions a little more and plus keep plays alive. Um, but, you know, there's still it's, – it's really hard to judge him because the pass pro is not always there. So it's like I want to see more in the passing game, but there's only so much Luke Getzi can do, only so much he can call. You can only have, you know, so many rollouts and boots because, you know, it's it gets predictable. There is not much of a drop back. You know, even the quick game's not there because – you know, the quick game, sometimes the pressure is there within a second or two. So it's like, there's not much there. So I think that's the kind of stuff we'll have to wait and see happen, you know, next year. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent a fair point. And then the, that lack of protection we're going to get to, we'll get into that plenty. I want to hit a few other things first. So kind of talking about this Falcons game specifically, and before the fields injury, the, the offense, while, you know, they, they scored points, you know, 24 points, certainly when, when you're used to Chicago Bears football, you sign up for 24 points pretty much any day of the That's week, even if, it is, yeah, <laughs> even if it is the Falcons defense. But I will say that that flair uh, was seemed to be missing a lot of that game against Atlanta. And to me, I think a big issue was Khalil Herbert. And I think people just kind of said, well, they still got David Montgomery and everything and but the, the way they do it with Herbert and Montgomery getting significant, both of them getting significant snaps, losing Herbert, you know, Ebner's not that kind of guy, you know, six carries, eight yards. And, you know, it, it honestly seemed worse than six carries and eight yards from the times he had the ball. He had one carry that I think had any value to it at all. You know, I, you know, I liked the selection. That's not, I'm not, this is not a knock on Ryan Poles. It's a six round draft pick, but Ebner's not that guy. I really think not having Herbert in and what he does with his agility and quickness and getting around on the outside, I think really hurt that running game against Atlanta. And I think not having him moving forward, even if Fields is out there, is going to be a pretty big detriment to an offense that can't afford too many detriments. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. I mean, with Herbert, he's a yeah, he's the backup running back for the Bears. He's averaging six yards a carry. I mean, and he has all you know, like top top 15 in yardage, you know, he, he's right there among the league leaders and, you know, yeah, he may not be the better all around football player. That's Montgomery, you know, but what he gives you is just explosiveness. I mean, when he touches the ball, he's a, he's a threat to go the distance every time he has good speed. He hits that hole quick. You know, he makes a defense have to think about when he's in the game. That's what you want to see. And you mentioned Ebner, like you, I thought it was a good pick. But as a runner, he's not there. He's too indecisive. He's he's thinking a little a, a little too much behind there, and he doesn't have the power to kind of you know uh, break through those tackles. What he did in college is he's a good receiver out of the backfield. So I don't want to see I don't want to see Abner touching the ball as, as far as a running back carrying the ball. If you're going to flare him out and some stuff in the flat, that's fine. I'd rather see uh, uh, Darrington Evans, you know, as the as the true number two as far as a, a back there because I think he's. He has the speed, you know, he's a little more decisive, you know, he may not, again, he may not be the all around player as Montgomery is, but I think by now we know it's not Ebner. So you got to find someone there because it's, it can't be Montgomery for 80% of the snaps. Yeah. And, and while we're on the topic of skill position players, let's move over to receiver. And, and you know, a lot of these guys we know are, aren't really fitting into the long-term plans and they're just bodies right now. They're not worth discussing, but Chase Claypool, I think is interesting because I feel that there was so much excitement when he came aboard and he sat there and said, yes, Ryan Poles is, is getting a guy for Justin Fields. And, you know, look, we know it's an offense you know, the, the, the Kyle Shanahan style offenses is not like something you're just going to pick up in, in a couple of days, but I'm sure all of us expected more out of Chase Claypool at this point. 
I see fans pushing the, the, the panic button everywhere and I can't sit yeah. there and, and hit the panic button this soon, but I'm not going to lie. I want to hit the panic button. I want to sit there and be like, what is going on here? But you know, I, I still am trying to be objective. That's where you, you wrestle with your fandom and your objectivity. But you know, where are you with the chase Claypool experiment after three, I think it's three games. No, it's concerning. I mean, I, I figured we see him on, on some deep shots. I figured we see him on some slants. I figured we'd see him on some more bubbles and, and slip screens. You know, I, I figured we see them, you know, the, those, those flip jet sweeps, you know, he's a, a big, strong guy. He's a four, four speed guy. You know, he's a good, he's good after the catch. So why not scheme him some more looks? And I think what he had like three targets last game. I think he had four the week before, you know, they're just not finding a way to get him involved. And, you know, some of this comes back down to the pass pro. I mean, if you don't trust your, your, your protection to kind of, you know, give, give fields time to kind of go through his reads and stuff. But, but again, there are things you can do. Um, you know, some of these jet sweeps to uh, Equinemus St. Brown, I'd rather see those go to Claypool. Um, Dante Pettis has been involved in some stuff, you know, those should go to Claypool. I just think uh, at this point, like you said, he's not really you know, familiar with the offense. You know, Greg Gabriel had an article for us uh, yesterday, I think it was, and he said this this offense takes a lot of time because there are side adjustments for the running or for the receiver and the quarterback. If they're not on the same page, it could lead to a, a interception or something worse. So so it's just uh, it's a matter of time. We're not going to see the full value of him until next year. It, it just sucks that it's looking like that second round draft pick to give up is going to be really really good. Yeah, it looks like it's going to, you know, especially there's there's only 31 first round picks too. So it's going to bump up yeah. one extra spot. So yep. that's uh, that's definitely going to, it looks like that's going to be a juicy pick. But in, in terms of Claypool coming up this week against the Jets, if Trevor Simeon's out there and, you know, and as we said, I think both of us think that should be the direction the Bears take yeah. this week. I think they're going to have to throw the ball more. I don't yep. think without fields as a threat, I don't think that running game is going to work quite as well. And as we just talked about Khalil Herbert, you're going to put all everything on David Montgomery and, and not have those other threats available to kind of offset him and open things up for him. So with, with that in mind, if they're throwing it more, you know, and this is, this is a podcast that has praised Luke Getze a lot. I, you know, criticized him a little bit last week, but this is uh, you know, someone that has uh, praised Luke Getze a lot over the last month or so of the season. But I'd like to see Getze when he's kind of planning out there and, and scripting those first 10, 15 plays of the game. Get a couple targets, you know, get, get some Claypool plays in there for Simeon. Simeon's got, a, you know, decent accuracy there. He should be able to get him the ball. You know, I'm not talking about any, you know, deep shot or anything right away, but something to get Claypool involved in the offense and make him feel a little more comfortable because right now he just, he just kind of feels like he's a fish out of water and trying to, you know, you know, catch up to the boat and, you know, swim alongside the boat. And I just feel like Getsy's got to try and get him involved a little bit early. It's going to be a strange game script because, like you said, with the, the, the threat of fields running the ball is not there. You know, you, you're going to be forced to throw. I mean, you, you, the, the stuff with fields with, with the read options, zone reads, you know, a defender has to be aware of where he is. So that gives you know, a, a demo some more running room. That's not going to be there. You know, the O-line has been okay as a run blocking unit. But, you know, again, not having that field threat is going to hurt them. So you may see a, a game script where you have maybe 30, 40 pass attempts. And, you know, Simeon, he's not awful. I mean, he's, he's a, a competent NFL backup. He may put up some decent yards. So then that may, of course, cause some of the, some of the people out there that are re ready to criticize Justin Fields and what he's done, they're going to say, see, we told you all along. And it's like, come on, it's just a, 
there's more to it than just the, the pure numbers, but that's all some guys are going to look at. Yeah, like when, when Trevor Simeon throws for 260 yards and no touchdowns and one interception and the Bears score yeah. six points, yeah. it's not exactly going to be yeah. you know anything that for, for them to hang their hats on, but they will certainly try. Uh, let's yep. jump over to the defensive side of the ball, then we'll wrap up with the offensive line. You know, the, this defensive side of the ball, it's interesting because we know a lot of these guys are, are stopgap players, you know, and I've talked about this the last couple of weeks since they've moved on from Quinn and, and Roquan Smith. A bad front seven is is probably now the worst front seven in the NFL in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. But let's stick with the front seven and let's, you know, there's no point that I think focus on it for this year. Looking forward for next year, two guys in the front seven. And I think there's only two guys in the front seven that you can even talk about as potentially remaining for next year's front seven. And that's Justin Jones and... Jack Sanborn, who continues to Agreed. put some numbers out there. So how are you with how they've played here? The You know, I think Jones has been better the last few weeks. And Sanborn, look, I, he's limited. We, we understand, the, you know, why he was a UDFA. But, you know, and I, I've said it every week. This guy is a football player. He's got football instincts. He knows how to take advantage. He's, you know, he's one step ahead of the offensive line, which offsets that lack of speed out there. So where are you with how Jones is playing? Do you think, would you be okay if they boosted the defensive line around Jones? Are you okay with him still being a starter? And do you think Sanborn might be the Mike in 2023? Yeah, I'll address the Sandworth thing. I, I, like you, I'm impressed with what Sandworth's done. You know, yes, he's not the most gifted athletically, you know, but he, he's, a, he's a decent athlete, but I think it's his instincts really help him out. I mean, that helps him kind of, you know, he, he stays, you know, uh, one step ahead of what some other guys in his position were because even though he's a rookie, he knows the game so well. He sees things quicker. You always hear about how the game slows down for players. You know, it seems like Sanborn, because of his, his, his football IQ, he has that. So he's able to hit, hit those holes. He knows the gaps pretty good, his responsibility. We kind of see him flowing and scraping to make plays. Um, so, yeah, I think with more talent around him, um, I think he's going to be able to c- continue to build on what he's doing this year. And then Justin Jones, you know, I was a little uh, – wasn't quite as excited as the signing early on. He kind of struggled a bit. But he seems to have found his place now as the three tech. But again, I think the Bears may want to upgrade that spot. I think Justin Jones may be best. I mean, he'll be here again next year because of the contract. But I think if Justin Jones is your first DT off the bench, I think that may be the best role for him. If you find a stud uh, three tech, whether it's in the draft early or, or you go out and, you know, you really put, put some money in, and sign a guy at that spot because he's solid, but solid is really not good enough. Yeah. And I mean, and that's where I, I really I'm fascinated with what Ryan Poles is going to have to do, because, you know, like you have to find like an entire new front seven, except yeah. maybe Sanborn. And should Jones be replaced? Yeah, I would agree with you. I think Jones is the third D tackle would be awesome. That great. would be a great yeah. setup to have. But can you bring in enough new faces to make that happen? I don't know if that's possible. But uh, if we bounce back into the secondary, um, look, Eddie Jackson's had a nice bounce back year. I think we're all, all pleased there. Brisker is, you know, I, I think flashed a little early. And then I think he kind of leveled off for a few weeks where he was he was good. He wasn't terrible. But I really think the last maybe three, four weeks, we, we've seen a lot of growth. And, and I really like the direction of Brisker's going. But if we're talking how good Brisker's going, I think we got to talk about Kyler Gordon as well who I I like some of the things I've seen with him. I like some of the instincts. I do think, you know, they need to settle him in as, as the nickel corner 
I don't think he's got the, now that I've watched him more, I don't think he has the speed to play outside. I think that'd be a major problem for him, you know, over a course of 17 games. But, you know, you know, I saw, you know, when, um, you know, him getting routinely beat uh, on kind of a simple crossing route by Drake London, you know, where he had, he was three steps behind. He wasn't even close with him yeah. against the Falcons. I mean, there's, you know, we, we saw him early on really biting on play action. We've, we've seen, we've seen some issues with Kyler Gordon, you know, you know, like I, I responded to Jacob Infante. I gave him a B that was probably too generous, especially going out with the way he played against the Falcons, but kind of, you know, focusing on the rookies there, how, how pleased are you with Brisker? And are you worried about Gordon? Yeah, I like Brisker. I think he's done a good job. You know, I talk about the the, the football IQ of Sanborn. I think Brisker's right there. I think he, he sees the game well. And, you know, I think we there was a tweet earlier today. I forget who it was from, but they, they, they showed all the places where a, a defensive back is lined up and Brisker has lined up in the most spots as far as the DB goes. And we've seen him. We've seen him up. You know, we've seen him in a slot. You know, we've seen we've seen him doing a lot of stuff in coverage. We've seen him, you know, uh, deep third. You know, he's all over the place lining up back there. That's part of his versatility which, you know, really helps him what he does. And then you talk about Gordon, and I'm not saying he doesn't have the, the same football IQ, but when you watch him play, he seems a step slow. And, you know, it, it, maybe he's thinking too much. You know, maybe part of it is he just wasn't ready for the for the nickel outside combination he had early in camp. Maybe, like you said, if he would have started at nickel and that's all he was playing early in camp, that's his only focus. Maybe at this point he'd be a little better. But but I'm like you, I, I, I'm a little discouraged with what I've seen from Gordon. But the talent's there. You know, I think it's just a matter of him getting getting through his rookie year, having a nice offseason. I think, you know, they're going to they're gonna have some more talent around him next year, obviously, because they have to, you know, they got to find a, another corner at some point. So if Gordon is your nickel and, and the game slows down for him, once he understands his keys and his reads a little better, because like you said, he got fooled a lot early. I think that's still happening to him to a degree as well. Um, the game will slow down for him. I think he'll be fine in the long term. He may not be as high a ceiling as Brisker, but I think he's a good football player. Yeah, let's let, let's hope. And I think if you go into next season, if you go out and get, you know, in free agency, I don't think you wait for the draft. In free agency, you go out and get yourself an outside corner to go opposite Jalen Johnson with Gordon in there. And if Vildor is your fourth DB or fourth cornerback, where if Gordon continues to struggle, maybe you pull him off the field a little bit, let Vildor play there in the nickel. I think that could be potentially a, you know, I, I we've talked about how the Bears secondary is, is, is a good secondary. And I, I still think it is a pretty good secondary, even with Gordon struggles and them not having really another outside corner, you know, they, they've still got enough talent back there, but if they can get that outside corner and kind of have Gordon stay in the, in the nickel spot there with, and potentially Vildor kind of filling in in other spots, I think that secondary has a chance to, re, you know, especially if you can get some guys in front of them to get some pressure on the quarterback, which is anemic, that happens. I think the defense could really jump into maybe a top 10 unit next year. I think that's the key. I mean, it's like, you know, what's more important, the pass rush or, or the secondary? And I think, you know, they, they kind of play hand in hand. But when the pass rush, like you said, is non-existent, that really hurts the back end. So I think if you, if you get some guys that can get after the passer, you get some guys that can, that can really, really push the pocket, that'll help out, you know, Gordon, help out Vilder, who Vilder has had a nice bounce back year as well. I mean, he, he wasn't the best fit in what they did a year ago, but he seemed to be a better fit for this team, for, for this scheme. So if he is, your, like I said, your, your fourth corner, that's pretty good. Now, moving back over to the offensive side of the ball, let's finish with the Wubbies up front there. My favorite conversation to have, especially with Lester, 
So let's jump in and, and let's talk about some of these guys here. And let's start with Cody Whitehair because, I mean, that's that's the veteran along the group. He's been with the Bears a while. I was really pleased with how he played coming out of the gate. I thought he looked really sharp. I thought he had bounced back to the, what would it be, the 2021 version and earlier of Cody Whitehair after a rough 2022, or I'm sorry, 2020 version after a rough there 2021 is, for Cody Whitehair. And since he's come back from the injury, and maybe he's not 100%, but I'm just not seeing the same sharpness out of his game. And, and I'm going to say this, you know, I when I was trying to figure out the 2023 offensive line, I was kind of, even though white hair is expensive, I was kind of penciling him in at the left guard and going, you know, they, they can look at other positions. But if Cody plays like this down the stretch, and he's healthy, Again, if he's playing through something right now, that's different. But if he is, the Bears know if he's healthy or not. If he's yeah. healthy, and then this is the last couple of weeks, if this is the level of play he's going to get, he's going to give them, I do not think they should keep him at the salary he's there. I think that's another position they should move on from. Same. We're on the same wavelength. I thought the same thing. I thought he had a really nice start to a season. The injury came. He went on on IR. He missed the four weeks. Like I said, maybe there's still something lingering there. Maybe he kind of, they kind of rushed him back because they knew that they had to get him back in that offense because the whole line was just so bad. So maybe he's he's taking one for the team. He's like, you know what? I'm not 100. You know, I'm I'm st I'm still bothered by the injury, but but I'm gonna play through it. Uh, so if that's the case, I can see him bringing him back because, like you said, he did play pretty good early in the season when he when he was healthy. So. I think they like his veteran leadership on that line too. You know, he's one of the guys there that really, they really trust up front, but the play wasn't there. It kind of reminiscent of what happened last season. And I don't know what happened last year. I don't know why his year was so down uh, scheme. Maybe, maybe there was something bothering him last year too, but you know, he's kind of, like you said, regressed after the injury. Um, but yeah, I think the way the salary is, I think yeah, probably 12 million, 14. It's, 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 not it's cheap. up there. And, and, and I know as far as the, the dead cap, it's not a huge hit. So if you can find a guy comparable, younger for relatively the same money, I think that bears may make a move. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see how they do this because, you know, we, we can sit here and go, well, they need a new center. They need a new right tackle left tackle maybe and you, i mean you sit there and go you know how many play people can they replace i know they got gobs of money they got draft picks but yeah. you, it's they still don't have enough to do everything in one off season uh so if we talk left guard let's talk right guard and and, and you know let's not worry about michael schofield or, or anyone like that let's look at tevin jenkins who uh, as someone who I know studies the offensive line, you had to have been thrilled with how Jenkins had been playing. I mean, this is a guy, the amount of defend, defenders that end up on their backs with him just, you know, pancaking right on yeah. top of them was a lot of fun to watch when you sit there and, and watch offensive line play. But now we got a situation where we know Jenkins has a back issue and, it, you know, kept him out a lot of his rookie season. We come into this year and, you know, we're not sure exactly where his health is and, and kind of what's going on with this regime, but he gets out there and he's, he's looking good and playing well. You know, I thought Aaron Lemming, he may have sent out a tweet that I thought was interesting. I think it was Aaron Lemming that says, anytime you watch Jenkins get up, he just seems like he's getting up a little slower than everyone else. Now he's been out. He was active last week, but he didn't play, which was odd, but you know, and, and you got this hip thing going on. So for me, I'm not worried about Tevin Jenkins's performance on the field but I am worried about if Tevin Jenkins is going to be able to hold up and have an eight to 10 year career. 
Yeah, that's an issue. I mean, I talked to Mason about that with the, with the back injury. You know, could that be causing something with the hip? He said it's, it's very possible. You know, only the Bears know. I mean, the Bears know for sure. I mean, like the hip injury was one where it didn't happen in a game. It happened in practice. Uh, so was it just something that kind of was 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 coming along this whole season? It just, it just, it just uh, finally hit him then? Or, or did he get hit in practice? Was it a, st- uh, a hip point or something like that? You know, no one really knows because, you know, like most teams, the Bears are, re- are really quiet about that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, his, his play on the field has been really fun to watch. Like you said, he's, he's pancaking guys. I mean, the Bears haven't had a, a guy like this in, I mean, a long time. I mean, I, if, you, if you're trying to think back, I mean, you're going back, you know, to, to the 06 team. They had a pretty good line back then. Kruitz is when he was doing that kind of stuff there. Uh, uh, Ruben Brown, but it's been a long time. So Jenkins has got that nasty demeanor. You know, he, he kind of plays, you know, mean and nasty. You know, he puts guys down. He plays, you know, to the whistle, you know, all the time. But, but yeah, I've noticed the same thing. He kind of gets up a little slow. Um, you hope that his health holds up. Then, of course, there's always the thing with the way the offseason was. You know, is there still some weird feelings between him and the Bears? No one knows what happened there. It just was he was there and then he wasn't. He's hurt, but he's not hurt. He's fine. Just a weird situation. You hope all that's past them because he is a really good football player. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I, I hope it is too. And I assumed it was because when you see Jenkins playing as well as it is, I sit there and I'm like, well, they, they still can't be down on him. Now, Lawrence Holmes on the podcast last week says he wasn't sure. And, you know, Lawrence is pretty dialed in the house hall yeah. there. And I think it's worth considering that, yeah, they may still not be certain. Maybe there's you know, an attitude situation. I don't think there is, you know, I, I think, you know, but, you know, look, immaturity was something that he, what was labeled on him coming out of college. Maybe there's something going on there, but you have to like the play on the field. And, and I would assume, you know, with, with how many things they need to change next year that they've already penciled him in at right guard next year. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, Larry Borum, it seems that they're if you're more comfortable with Riley Reef out there, which I have been saying they should have done that move since September 1st, but if you're more comfortable with Riley Reef out there as the uh, the Chicago Bears franchise, I would assume at this point that the only way Larry Borum is still on this team next year is if they didn't find enough offensive linemen better than him. But I assume yeah. kind of what we've seen, you know, you, you hate to see someone lose their job because of a concussion, but it certainly seems coming out of the other side here that. Uh, this Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus regime is looking past Larry Borum to their next right tackle. Yeah, I mean, with Reef, his contract's expired for this year. Larry Borum, I mean, like you said, they've shown how they feel about him. He's on the bench now. Like you said, it sucks losing a job because of concussion. I always thought Borum would be a better as a swing tackle anyway. He just seemed like he just wasn't the, the best fit as a starter. I know a lot of Bears fans were really high on him last year from his tape, but I just, I, I saw some holes in his game, you know, uh, he was decent this year, but you know, still not, nothing really stood out to where you say, yeah, he's gotta be the guy, you know, going into his third year. I think he'll be back. Obviously um, he, you know, he's, 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 his, his contracts are relatively inexpensive. You know, he'll be back to compete for a swing tackle spot, but yeah, I'm like you, I think they're going to address right tackle pretty hard and for agency. Yeah. And, and I think they're going to address that when you look at the interior, I, I don't I, look. I, everyone says that Lucas Patrick is a better center than he is a guard, and we just really haven't had a chance for a variety of reasons to see him at center this yeah, year. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Sam Mustafer has been the guy there, and and I think Mustafer has played better than I expected him to play this year. If if you were telling me he was getting this many reps, but 
He's also proven to me 100% that he's, I think he's at his ceiling. And, and look, and that's not to rip Sam Mustafer. This was an undrafted free agent. He gets a lot out of, you know, his his body and his skill set. He's, he's, you know, gone from a UDFA and a practice squad guy to a starting center in the NFL. And you can sit there and knock him and go, well, he's not good enough to be starting. But regardless, he has made remarkable strides as a center. But at the same time, you can sit there and go, but he is too limited in terms of, of fitting into the future. So, you know, to me, you know, I get Lucas Patrick has another year around and keeping him around as a, you know, backup to three interior positions, which he can do and some versatility there helps. But, you know, while I think right tackle has to be the number one position addressed in free agency at the along the offensive line, I think center also has to be addressed. We're going to find out how much they like Lucas Patrick. His, his contract's not to where you look look at it and say, oh, yeah, they paid him to be like a surefire starter for his entire time in Chicago. It's not huge money. I mean, it's 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 backup money. I mean, if, he, if he's, like I said, if he's your, your top backup at that price tag, that's fine. So if you can find a better center free agency, I, I, I got a feeling the Bears really like him. They like what he brings to the table because the way they, they talked him up in the offseason, you know, they, they made sure they, they got him reps at guard when he was kind of, you know, had his, his injury. I think they like him, like what he brings to the table, but he didn't look the best when he was playing guard. Um, we haven't seen him much of him at center. Like you said, that's the book on him, a better center. We'll see what happens. I know he's due to come off of the uh, of his four week IR this week. We'll see what happens on Wednesday if he has his uh, twenty one day practice window activated. If that's the case, once he's good to go, I think they're going to make that move pretty quick and get him back at center and muster back to the bench. I think they want to see what they have in Patrick. Yeah, because if, if they're comfortable saying, yeah, Sam Mustafer is not going to be our center next year, then you need to know if Lucas Patrick can be. Exactly. Because uh, that, that's absolutely a decision that needs to be made. And and I kind of saved this guy for last because I think he's the most interesting conversation to have. And that is Braxton Jones, who, again, I will sit there and say this is a fifth round pick FCS school, and he has started at left tackle. For, I don't care how bad the offensive line is. He has started at left tackle in the NFL here in his rookie season. And that is an impressive thing to do. So hats off to him and, and kudos there. However, there are warts in his game and he, some of them have improved. Some of them haven't. And, you know, sometimes I agree a hundred percent with like the PFF grades and, and how he looks and, and, you know, PFF, I think, thought he played a lot better than I thought he did against Atlanta. I thought there were definitely some, and like I said to Brad Spielberger, when I was talking to him about it, I said, well, maybe his misses were just very noticeable misses. And that's kind of what popped up there for me, but uh, you know, they can't fix everything in one off season. So I don't know if they're going to go out and sign two free agents at left tackle and right tackle. But if they get, a really high pick. And if Jalen Carter and uh, Will Anderson are off the boards, which are obviously guys that would help the bears at, at edge and defensive tackle, they're sitting there maybe with the sixth, seventh pick, and they have an opportunity to maybe get the top tackle who of course is going to slide over to that left tackle spot. I think you cannot pass on a guy like that. Cause you, you have a fun project in Braxton Jones. I like Braxton. Jones. I think he had a lot of upside, but like you said, his game as a rookie 
it's not to the point where you say, yeah, he's penciled in as our future left tackle. I think there, there's the potential there. I think he could do it. I think a nice, a nice year, a nice, a nice off season in the weight room, building his core and his, and his leg strength. Cause you know, the bull rush has given some fits. Um, I've kind of seen the same thing that you're talking about how his bad is really, really bad. He's a solid player for most of the game. And then like, when he doesn't make a mistake, it's like, really really bad like a whiff or it looks like he's lost sometimes you know some of this is just him maybe not understanding the scheme in full I mean like you said he's a rookie um he played at a, at a, at a small school so he's kind of going through some growing pains here we're watching it happen in front of us I like the upside but if I think it's it's the guy from Penn State the left tackle I forget his name I think he's one of the top guys there if or whoever, whoever it ends up being whoever the top left tackle well, there's Skaronsky the there's you know Paris yeah. Johnson there's, there's, there's other guys out there too besides yeah if that's if that's your pick, if that's your your best player available, Braxton Jones does not say, "Hey, we can't take him because of him." Braxton Jones has good size, uh, good length, good athleticism. Maybe he's your right tackle, or he maybe he's now your swing tackle. You know, let him compete. I think this regime, one thing that they showed us, you know, early on is they'll let guys compete for a job. So they're not going to hand hand anything to Braxton Jones next year. I don't think. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I do think they, they let guys compete and not, not, everything's earned, nothing is given. And I thought, yep. you know, this is one of the regimes and coaching staffs that, you know, going all the way back to preseason, the, the one thing that I saw that I haven't seen, forget the Bears across the NFL, like if they have you slated as a basically a fourth quarter guy that's going to, you know, maybe get a 53 man spot if you're lucky, but most likely they've already slated you to the practice squad and they're not going to give you a, another look at it. I felt like the bears, when they looked at the tape and stuff, they rewarded guys and said, all right, you, you, you played well against threes. We're going to see how you play against the twos. And, and yeah. you know, if you played well against the twos, all right, we'll give you some reps with the ones and, and see how you do. I, it feels like that, that, that the coaching staff really gave opportunities for guys who, who turned out and played really well. And I would love to see that be a, a mindset moving forward. Well, we saw Sanborn. He had a really good preseason, and it kind of kept going up the depth chart. We saw Dominique Robinson have a, have a nice preseason. And, and for Robinson, he's a really raw at, at the edge. I mean, he has not played defense uh, defensive line for very long in his, in his career. I think it's only, what, his, his second or third season being a full-time edge. You know, but, but he flashed in preseason. He, he flashed a bit in camp, obviously. So, you know, he has a chance there, and now he's getting a ton of reps. They traded Quinn. You know, so yeah, this regime will will take a look at the young guys to give them a chance, and I, I think that's good moving forward because I think it's I think that kind of helps helps the culture too. That's 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 the, the coach flus, that's the hits philosophy. That's kind of how, how they want things to be there in, in the locker room. I think that's good overall for the franchise. All right, so last one for you uh, on the offensive line here. If knowing that nothing is ever guaranteed in the draft and and if they end up picking more offensive linemen in day three that, that that's great or whatever but i'm not i'm not expecting you know any kind of immediate impact from any of those guys and, and sometimes the draft board doesn't fall your way and there's just not an offensive lineman that, that it fits your scheme that that you like they that you know that's that profile you're looking for and you just don't end up going after an offensive lineman in the draft. So if that's the case where we're sitting there saying they they did not get Skaronsky or they did not get an interior offensive lineman in the second or third round, how many legitimate free agents, not the Lucas Patricks of the world, how many free agents would you like to see Ryan Pohl sign to the offensive line? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, 
didn't the Chiefs like two years ago they had a rig a big revamp? There wasn't Ryan Poles involved in some. He was in the in, in their uh, in their front office at that time. So and they did an entire revamp, you know, a couple of years back. So so Poles saw that kind of firsthand. So I think you got you got to throw big money at a tackle, whether it's right or left. Or you have to decide about Braxton Jones if, if he has shown enough potential where you're going to pay more right side in free agency. But like I said, I think you got to do do a guard, whether it's uh, again, I'm not sure if Lucas Patrick's the guy at center. I think the Bears want him to be, but his price tag doesn't say that he has to be. So I think if there's a guy out there on the market you like that can kind of play center or guard, they can make that move again with 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 a guy like Cody White here. You know, he's on the downside of his career. You know, big money. Can you cut him and take that that money and put it towards a, a younger, you know, better player? I think you do that. So I think you got to do at least two big money guys on the old line at least. And then you got to kind of hope some of some BPA in the draft kind of works out for you. But again, you're going to see, I think Ryan Poles attack the O line like he did this year. This year he threw a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of guys at the spot, you know, but he didn't spend a lot of big assets as far as money goes, or as far as draft pick goes, we're going to see a kind of same thing, you know, next year. I think he likes a few guys, but I think you got to spend some, some money there and you got to spend some, some draft capital there. You can find a guard or center in, on, on, on day two. You can find a guy to come in to start for you there if that's how the board falls. You know, if, if he trades back a couple of times we sh- when he's shown he'll do that, you got to spend some premium picks there. You got to spend some premium money there. If you believe Justin Fields is the guy, which I think Ryan Poles and, 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 and the coaching staff does, you got to get him better protection. You got you to gotta work on that old line. Yeah, I think I think you said I think two is the absolute minimum. minimum and I yeah. think there's a chance that, you know, especially if there is a five, six million dollar type interior lineman that you think can come in and start. Uh, I think three might even be the number you have to do, because I think you sit there and go Tevin Jenkins and Lucas Patrick as a backup is is a place to start. And yes, Braxton Jones to compete, Larry Borum most likely around because of the contract. But they just they don't have enough bodies to keep Justin Fields upright. And you're just seeing Fields get abused too often and trying to save his own butt too often. And it's great that he has the ability to do it. But, you know, the the one thing we saw is it's better that he's getting out and moving around because when he sits in the pocket, he becomes a sitting duck because these guys just can't keep the defensive lineman off his back. Yeah, the, the pressure's kind of too quick. I mean, we saw in this last game the stuff from coming up up, up the gut. You know, uh, Michael Schofield, you know, he, he's a nice story, a, a local guy. You know, he probably, you know, when the Bears cut him and he went unsigned for like, I think, a couple weeks before they brought him back to practice squad. So here's a guy that really no one wanted early in, this, in the season, and now he's starting game for the Bears. So you got to find some more talent up front. It's just not going to cut it with what, what they have now. All right, well, there he is, the big boss man from Windy City Gridiron, Chief Editor Lester Wiltfong. Lester, thanks for so much time. Always enjoy the conversations, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Bill. Thanks. All right, there he is, Lester Wiltfong, everybody. The big boss man at Windy City Gridiron. Always enjoy talking to Lester. Love getting his perspective on offensive line. I mean, look, Lester can talk any kind of part of uh, the defensive or offensive side of the football in any position, but he's great with the offensive line. He really understands the positions well and just great insight there. And I pretty much am in lockstep with him, which makes me think that my opinions might be right. So that's always a positive sign there because I'm right there. Like, I like Braxton Jones, but Braxton Jones has some warts in his game. And you cannot you cannot say, well, we're going to pass. We think Skaronsky's the next 
15-year left tackle, but we're going to pass on him because we like Braxton Jones. You can't do that. I don't know exactly how this draft's going to play out for the Bears. They're clearly going to have a top 10 pick. They very well might have a top five pick. They are number three right now. And with, if, if field, you know, the Jets are decent. I understand they don't have a quarterback, but the Jets are pretty good. And then you got the Packers there where Aaron Rodgers seems like he is only going to play well against teams he has a vendetta against, like Mike McCarthy and the Bears. So what, where are we at here? We're going to have Aaron Rodgers play well. We're going to have the Jets defense, you know, stymie the Bears offense. Then you got Buffalo and Philadelphia on the other side of the bye. You've got a lot of games that are going to be very hard for the Bears to win before they get to Detroit and Minnesota at the end of the year. And I'll tell you what, if this team is sitting there at whatever they would be, 3-12 and 12 with two games to go, and they go and win those last two games, and they go from the number two pick to, like, the number seven pick, that's going to be annoying. Like I said, I always cheer for wins, but that's going to be a tough one as well, especially if Justin Fields isn't playing. That's going to be tough to watch uh, them them lose a draft position because a guy like Jalen Carter or Will Anderson that might be uh, someone the Bears can take. And, again, I'm a guy – you know I'm a guy that preaches offense. But go watch the tape on those two and tell me you don't want to see them in a Bears uniform next year. Just go ahead. Because that those guys are, are hellraisers. That's what they are. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what goes on with the Bears here in this in this draft. But until then, they have several games left on the schedule. And look, you know, you know, I always like to give you a prediction on the upcoming game. I can't give you a prediction right now. I guess I'll give you a two-part prediction in terms of if you get a banged up Justin Fields against the Jets or if you get Trevor Simeon against the Jets. And, you know, it's it's an impossible situation because you don't know what kind of player Justin Fields is going to be able to be, you know, because we don't know that we don't know what his injury is. We don't we don't have enough information. But as Justin Fields plays, I think either way, you have to pick the Jets in this game right now. Because of the fact that Fields isn't 100%, you don't have a Khalil Herbert out there, and you just don't know what this offense is going to be able to produce. But if you have Trevor Simeon out there, like, you know, you, you legitimately have to wonder if this team's going to be able to score a touchdown against this Jets defense. Because everything that makes the Bears offense go is the running game and Justin Fields. The running game goes because largely because of Justin Fields. I know the running game was going earlier in the year when Justin Fields wasn't really going. But when it became dynamic like this, it was because you had Fields, Herbert, and Montgomery. You had, in essence, a three-headed monster that really did a hell of a job keeping defenses off balance. Now you've basically taken one and made him limited and gotten the other one completely off the field. And Montgomery needs that, you know, thunder and lightning thing that Herbert brings the lightning and he brings the thunder. He really needs that. And if he doesn't have that other aspect, you know, he just gets bottled up and it's just going to be, I think, another, you know, 13 carries for 45 yards kind of a thing for him where he's just not getting the job done by himself. And that's not, I'm not blaming him. That's not me ripping the guy. That's just the the reality of the situation. So if that's kind of what you're getting out of Justin Fields, then yes, I don't think the Jets offense is particularly good. The Bears defense, as we know, is not good. You know, if Zach Wilson does play again, and it would appear that the Jets are going to stick with him for at least one more week. Then, then you have to sit there and probably go that the Jets are going to win this something like 20 to 17 if you get the limited Justin Fields. If Justin Fields, if they somehow figure out how to make this shoulder feel good, then yes, I think Justin Fields could put up 24, 27 points against a great Jets defense. But if he doesn't have his full 
range of what he can do, then yeah, I don't think Justin Fields is enough to beat that Jets defense. And if Trevor Simeon's out there, then I, I, I think this team scores maybe six points. And I think you're looking at like a 17 to six kind of a game if Trevor Simeon's out there. You're just not going to be able to move the football enough. Get a couple first downs, a few completions, you know, but in terms of sustaining a drive, because what has Justin Fields and this offense been doing? They've been picking up big chunk yardage. So they get those seven plays, 75 yard drives. These Trevor Simeon, these are going to be like eight plays, 30 yards punt. You know, that, I think that's what you're going to get out of a Trevor Simeon type type offense. You know, is it going to be the worst offense in the world? No, but against a good defense like that, that's uh, not exactly something that I'm looking forward to. So we'll talk about it next week when we get you ready for Bears Packers and who knows where Justin Fields is. Talk to you then. Bear down, everybody. Adios. Adios.